the last uh, the last few months, um, I've uh, I've been taking trying to take care of myself, my health a little bit better. Um, so last August, I started going back to the gym, uh, and me and the gym don't get along, and we haven't gotten along for a really long time. Um, it's been kind of a, a kind of a love hate relationship. I love to be embarrassed at the gym and hate going. Um, it's always been just an issue. I've, I've always disliked the gym. I've always disliked going and, and just doing exercise like that. Um, when, I was in, when I was in high school, um, I was the kid that, because I played sports, I was supposed to work out, so I went to the gym. I would do three things, not know what the heck I was doing, drink a smoothie, and leave. Like, that was my experience of the gym, and that's the kind of relationship we had. You stay over there. Mom's going to pay the membership. I'm going to pretend that I go, and everybody be happy, right? Um, but ever since I started going, like, and now that I'm a little bit older, I've, um, I've been able to watch YouTube videos and try and figure out something about what I'm doing. Um, I've started to enjoy it more, except that first day when I went back to the gym. Um, I walked in. I started to I put some weight on the bar. I started to get, like, get, right, get like you know, fired up and started to, like, try and figure out, okay, what am I actually going to do? Um, so I walked up to the bench press because men, like, that's, that was, that's one you're supposed to do, right? So I walk in, I put weight on the bar, um, I start doing the bench press, and I am dying trying to do this weight. It's not much at all, like it's a couple, like 100 pounds, something like that, but I'm, I'm losing it, sweating, heart rate going, trying to catch my breath. People think I'm having a heart attack, like it's terrible. I'm, I'm, it, it's, it's rough, right? So I walk away, I get a drink of water, and when I look back, I see a high school kid just got to the bench press, put the same exact amount of weight, and he's warming up. If there's ever a shot to my pride, that was it. I'm sitting there and I'm going, I hate that kid. <laughs> Two things hit me. Number one, I realized that kid's half my age. That's a problem already, number one. But the deeper, the deeper thing that hit me was, all of a sudden, I got in touch with my weakness. My lack of physical strength became very, very apparent to me when I see somebody that's half my age doing the weight that I was just hurting myself, struggling, sweating, trying to do. I got in touch with my weakness very, very quickly. And I don't like that. Two weeks ago, I was at the gym. Bench press again. Me and a bench press, we don't get along. I'm serious, right? Bench press again. Now I've been going for a while. Now I'm starting to do a little bit more weight. Now I'm starting to feel good about myself. So I put some weight on it that I have not done in a long time. And I'm very excited about this. And my music's really, really loud and screaming at me. And I'm just trying to get my adrenaline pumping. So I lay down. I go to pick the bar up. And my right hand slips off the bar. So when my right hand slips off the bar, the bar on this side falls. So now first thing I did was I kind of like did like this little matrix move and got out the way. So I was all right. But the next thing that happened was all the weights on that side made a very, very nice crashing sound to the floor. Bang, 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 all this noise. And everybody in the gym stopped what they were doing and stared at the moron laying down on the bench press with too much weight. I did my best to try and put the weight in the rack and like go over to the squat rack and was like, I don't know what happened over there. I'm good. I'm good over here. But what, what hit me the hardest as I was uh, licking my wounds and trying to get back and set 
As I started to look around as people were getting back to their life and back to their workouts and back to their exercise, it started to hit me. Everybody else in the gym is now in touch with my weakness. And I like that even less. I think it's true. Every one of us in this church is flawed. I know, great, great way to start 4th of July, Father, great, but there's a point. Every one of us in this church have weakness. Every one of us is flawed. Every one of us has something that keeps us from being perfect. And it's hard, number one, to hear and to think, number one, that I have to be in touch with that weakness. The second thing is, it's really hard when other people see it or other people call out that weakness. When other people know that we're not perfect. Especially in today's age, like nobody's life is what we put on social media. Nobody's life is that. The perfect family picture on the beach. The, 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 hair, the makeup just done enough to look like I don't care. Right? Nobody's life is that perfect that we try and broadcast. We're all flawed. So let's start today's homily with a very, very simple premise. That we're all flawed, that we all have weakness. Now, the question becomes... Why? Because if God really wanted to, he could flip a switch and every one of us be perfect. If God really wanted to, he could, he could just say abracadabra and all these weaknesses that we have would be taken care of and gone. So there must be some reason why God allows us to still have some kind of weakness. And St. Paul taps into it today in our second reading. Look at the words that St. Paul says. He says, I, to keep me from being elated or to keep me from having an elevated idea of myself or to keep me from being proud of being prideful, God gave me a thorn in the flesh. We think about this. God wants us not to be perfect. He wants us to first be His. We don't need to first be perfect. We need to first be His. Because His power is glorified in weakness. Think about it this way. In, in Walmart and Rouse's and all of the in grocery stores around the United States, there are two places where more kids' tears have hit the ground. And that's the cereal aisle and the checkout line. Because when you walk into those places, what happens? Kids that may not have heard the word no before, hear it there. What happens if we just, every time we bring kids to the store, every time we bring them anywhere, that they get something? It becomes the expectation. We use another word for that. Spoiled. Right? That if every time we go somewhere, every time a kid asks for something, the answer is automatically yes. They're going to get spoiled. You ever seen, uh, I worked at Walmart at one time, have you ever seen a kid be told no for the first time in a long time? All hell breaks loose. Mom, can we have the, the Fruit Loops? No. Ah! On the ground, banging, crying, throwing stuff. And the, in, the, in the checkout aisle, Mom, can I have a Snickers bar? 
no ah, meltdown. If we, if when we relate to God, if all of us are children of God first and foremost, if our primary identity is that you and I are, are children, beloved sons and daughters of a good and almighty Father, we can approach a spirituality that looks something like this. God, I'm going to work on my life. I'm going to do my stuff. You stay there in case I need you. Hey, God, can you help me out with this? I, I have a, I, I, I'm having a, trouble at work. Can, can you bless this? Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I'm, you stay there. You stay there. I'm, I'm, I'm going to come back when I need you again. That's not, that's not spirituality. But so many of us, I think, fall into that, whether we realize it or not, that we can go to God as if he's a vending machine and less like he's a father. I put my prayer in, hit the buttons, and I get my grace. God doesn't want us to just go to him out of utility. God doesn't want us to just go to him out of use. But instead, he wants to be in all of our life. And I think this is why the thorn in the flesh that, that Paul talks about today is so important. Because it keeps us from thinking that we are God. It reminds us that there is a God and I'm not Him. Biblical scholars have broken down this scripture multiple different ways. And they've tried to figure out what it is that St. Paul is talking about when he says, there's a thorn in my flesh. There's been a bunch of different theories that have been thrown out. I think part of the reason why it's ambiguous is so that our, whatever the thorn in your flesh is, it's almost like a fill in the blank. That we can all make St. Paul's prayer today our own prayer. But the way that they have broken it down, they've said there's three real possibilities, they think, that this thorn in the flesh could have been. The first one is people. That there was some person in Paul's life that just sucked the life out of him. That they were just a pain in his neck all the time. Constantly needy, constantly asking, constantly wanting, but they were given to Paul in a particular way that he was meant to minister to them even though they just sucked the life out of them. Now, if you want to, I don't know if this is your experience, but I'm sure every one of us has somebody like that in our life. Every one of us has somebody, a friend, a family member, a mother, a dad, whatever, somebody in our life that when they call, this is the response. Oh. But God has put them in our life. They come to us for whatever they need. And they may be a little bit of that thorn in the flesh that Paul talks about. Might seem like harsh language, but I think that we let, let's let's stay with the image that they could be a means of grace for us to remind us that we're not God. The second option that, that these commentators and biblical scholars have said, a second option they said was that it could be a physical ailment of some sort. That it could be some kind of a physical ailment. St. Paul, there are two things about St. Paul that different scholars have said, different things that have written about St. Paul over the years. Um, 
that have been said. One was that he probably had bad eyesight. Now, I think of him having bad eyesight that I know before I got glasses that I dealt with headaches. So Paul, throughout much of his preaching, throughout much of his time, could have been struggling with headaches from, from, all of the, from, from just not being able to see clearly. That's a cross to carry. And a little thorn in the flesh. Another thing about St. Paul is that St. Paul was probably a short man. Even by standards 2,000 years ago. He was probably in like the 4-5, four, 4-6 four, range. He's probably a shorter guy. And I think if he's a leader, if he's one that's supposed to be leading all these churches and kind of a spiritual father, the apostle to the Gentiles as we hear him, if he's going to minister to these churches, I'm sure that if he's the great Paul and everybody hears about him, that if he shows up and he's a short guy in front of these people, that you probably hear something along the lines of, Really? Him? In our own life, there are physical ailments, whether it be a sickness, whether it be something we chronically struggle with, something like a, a, a hurt knee, a, a blister, gout, if you've ever had that, like these different things that we might struggle with that just remind us they're not necessarily evil, they're not necessarily sinful, but they just remind us that we're limited. And if seen in the right context, if seen through the right, through the right lens, they can be conduits of grace in recognizing, God, if my, my body is weak, how much, how much greater are you? How much greater are you than even me? The third option that these scholars talk about is vice. Whether it's spiritual psychological, different vice that might be in our life. If you want to know what it means to, to be in face-to-face, -face, in touch with the, the, the thorns of the flesh when it comes to vice, talk to anybody, a family member, a friend, who has dealt with addiction. Talk to anybody that has dealt with addiction. Alcohol, drugs, pornography, gambling, whatever it is, where there's an addiction in their life that they cannot control themselves before. Particularly somebody who has it under control. Particularly somebody who has fought this fight for a long time. Because they'll tell you that if it's alcohol, if it's drugs, if it's pornography, whatever it is, that it's, it becomes almost like a friend. This constant reminder that you're weak. This constant reminder that you're flawed. This constant reminder that stands in front of you and says you're only one drink away from falling. You're only one stop at the casino away from falling back into this. This constant reminder, this cloud almost, that follows the person around. The same way we can have these vices in our life. Smoking, cursing, whatever it is, that can be just these constant reminders that we are flawed, that we're broken, that we're weak. Now, St. Paul doesn't leave us here. St. Paul doesn't leave, leave the people of Corinth and just, I just want you to reflect on your weakness and look, oh shucks, 
you're, you're broken, I'm broken, we're both broken, so let's just let it be. But instead, St. Paul says that God's power is made perfect in our weakness. That God, when we allow God's, God's grace to work in our weakness, that we uh, can experience Him in every aspect of our life. Ultimately, that God wants all of us. I don't mean all the, mul- the multiple people here. I mean all of me. Everything. My strengths, my goods, my bads, my vice, my hurt, my struggle, and my weakness. God wants to work in all of it and through all of it. If you look at the TVs, there's a, there's a, a, a technique of pottery called kintsugi. It's a Japanese technique with pottery. And what happens is, is that they take a broken pot, a broken clay pot, and when they put it back together, they use molten gold. So it's almost like the gold becomes like super glue. And they put, the, they put it back together. And this pot that you see on these screens, right, this pot is put back together with gold. What part shines forth? The crack. The imperfections. The places that it's most weak is where you see the greatest beauty. I don't know about you, but if I look back at my life, if I look back at my history, if I look back and reflect on my own past, my pot at different times has been dropped. My pot at different times has been kicked. My pot at some times has been hit with a bat, has been stomped on. It's been about a million pieces. But what happens when we allow God to put it back together by His grace? What happens when we allow God to, to work in our lives, particularly in the places that were most broken? Those are the places where his grace shines forth more than any other. Today when we come to Mass, we come to celebrate the Paschal Mystery. The Paschal Mystery is very much so just that. It's God stepping down into the weakness of humanity, into the weakness of our human condition, and saying, I'm bigger than all of it, so that he can raise us up to be with him. He did it on Calvary. He did it with Jesus. And in our own life, God wants to do it again in you. God's power is made perfect in our weakness. Where God's power meets our weakness, it's where holiness and sanctity abide. Today, as we come to Mass, God steps down into our weakness to meet you in your most broken places, the hardest hurts, the the darkest darks of your past. Because He wants to put you back together and let His glory shine. God wants all of us, every, every, every element of you, He wants all of your past, all of your present, and all of your future. He wants all of you 
so that he can be glorified mostly in the hard spots, in the breaks, in the weaknesses. Today when we receive communion, let us come to receive God first and foremost in our weakness with humility so that he can be glorified most.